welcome to another episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and my guest today is casting director Daikim Lyles. Daikim is a seasoned pro in the industry who's worked in casting offices and also coaches and teaches voiceover as well. We actually met when I took his class last year, and we've done some audition coachings together too. He gives us an inside peek into how things run from his end, from getting hired by the client, to putting out a breakdown, to listening to submissions and making his final choices. We also get into what his thoughts are on the conversational read and how we can achieve it. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with Daikim Lyles. Hi, Daikim. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Thanks for being here. This is so exciting. I'm really, really excited for our listeners to hear this interview. I'm excited too. This is my first time doing something like this. I love it. So I would love to start by asking you to tell us about your journey. How did you make it to where you are behind the mic as a casting director? Well, you know, it's so funny about journeys, you know? You know how you plan things out in your life when you're young and then you start to live your life? And then things sort of just pull you in a direction that you never thought you would even go into. And then you're like, oh, well, here I am now. So that's kind of what happened with me with casting. Like, I never in a million years thought about casting as a way to uh, support myself. I was coming from an actor's standpoint. And in junior high school, I got my first taste of what it was like to, like, audition for a film and potentially be in a movie because I remember the people from Angel Heart, this is how old I am, and they needed a kid for a certain role and they came to my high school, junior high school, and I auditioned and I got a call back and I was just like, wow, this is so exciting. So like, I just knew I wanted to be an actor and also because I just love movies so much. Like the pandemic happened and I was like, oh, great. You mean I can sit and watch movies all day in my house and not have to feel guilty about it? I was like, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I then I went to the performing arts high school and that, you know, really cemented you, you want to be an actor even more. Then I went to college and I studied it for a little while. And then I studied editing and got a BA in editing. And then I was out in the world trying to pursue my acting career and I was just working right? And auditioning and working and nothing was really happening. And then I took this class for business. It's called the business of actors. But he really opened my eyes to another aspect of this career that I wasn't thinking about, which was that it was a business. And once he sort of gave us some ideas about things that we should do to try and get acting gigs. And one of the suggestions was, why don't you intern at a casting company? You know, because one of the questions that people always ask is, how do you balance your artistic career in this business with a full-time day job? You know, it's sometimes almost impossible. And he has suggested to me, you know, well, start with trying to get a job in the industry. Then you won't have to be stressed out about that. So I started interning at Liz Lewis Casting. And that was like the best thing without me even realizing what I was about to step into that could happen to me, specifically her office. Right. I feel like if I had started interning at any other office, I don't think who knows. Right. Who knows? Right. But I, I don't I definitely would have not got the training and experience and made the connections with people that I don't think I would have if it was any other office. Because Liz was casting when I first started out was a big office. She had a lot of casting directors working there. So once I finally got hired, once I started interning there and then I transitioned into 
working for them full time. That was like so many people that could teach me stuff. And, you know, casting was easy for me for a, for, for certain reasons, because I was coming from an, inspi- an aspiring actor background, right? And I think one important thing about being a casting director, whether it's commercials, voiceovers, film, television, theater, you know, one of the best things is if you at some point was an actor or someone who was an actor trying to pursue a career because you really can understand what it's like to be on the other side. And it also helps you kind of figure out, you got to learn how to talk to actors and communicate with them and develop certain shorthands so that you can get what you need from them and that they understand you and you're clear and stuff like that. And I think the fact that I had come from studying acting as limited as it was it really helped me when it was time for me to talk to actors in front of the camera. Now, when it was time to do voiceover, that was a daunting experience. I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, it was a beautiful girl named Chrissy who worked at Liz Lewis Casting. And she was like, that came, I'm about to cast this voiceover. You want to sit in with me? And I was like, I'm sure, you know? And I sat in that booth and it was just, I was lost, mm. right? I was just like, I'm listening to her. I'm listening to the actors, but I'm not making the connection on what she's hearing and how uh, she's trying to get them to give uh, her what she needs, right? It was just like, you know, that 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 first take sounded good to me. I don't know what else to say to him. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it was really more of understanding vocal techniques and sitting in and listening to somebody direct actors in a booth. Like, I got hands-on voiceover training. It wasn't like study here because there's really no, nobody teaches anyone how to be a casting director. They don't talk about it. At least maybe it's changed nowadays, but when I was in my um, early 20s and 30s, there was no casting director course, uh, subject at, at college. Nobody talked about it in the performing arts high schools that I went to. I didn't see any workshops anywhere about it. So it was like, how can I learn this stuff? But it, it, And I always feel like the best way to learn something is on the job. Like when people teach me stuff, I'm like, let me do it. Just tell me how to, you just show me. Because the more I do it myself, the more it'll stick with me. That's kind of what was happening when they were training me, you know, live right there on the job, seeing what how actors are when they're given certain directions and stuff like that. And um, it, that was really an eye opener. And then the more I got comfortable with it, then it just like anything else, you learn it and then it's easy. And then and, you know, now I've been almost doing it for 20 plus years, you know, going back and forth between on camera and um, uh, voiceover stuff. And then, of course, in the pandemic. Once the pandemic hit and all on camera stuff kind of pushed to the side, um, it was all about voiceovers. And then I was like, okay, well, here we go. I'm, I know how to do that. So, you know, and voiceovers are the one thing that just didn't stop. Mm-hmm. They just, it just did. I think like there was a, a week pause and then I started coaching people immediately. And like every week, somebody was like, I got an audition. I got an audition. I got an audition. I have a voiceover. I was like, wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> Then I started doing virtual uh, uh, live VO castings. And like that was even something new too, because I was like, okay, here's something that I'm used to doing in the booth with actors, talking to them, you know, uh, uh, getting them relaxed and comfortable before we even start to work, just finding out how they are and what they're doing in their life, you know, stuff like that. And then virtual started. It was like no time for that, but it was just like, okay, now I'm going to direct you Mm. and you record it. So it was all a change. But for me personally, I'm not in this business 
for the money. You know, I really do just love working with actors and helping them find a way to approach the script. Like, it's it's really exciting for me. Like, I have one lady that uh, auditions for me a lot, and I coach her a lot, too. And sometimes she just calls me for a brush-up coaching. And even those are just so exciting to me. It's just like, because we both are discovering things about the script and her voice and how to get to certain uh, uh, avenues of, you know, uh, emotional beats and stuff. And it's really exhilarating to do that together and to discover it together and to help somebody find their voice and stuff. It's just, it's great. That's so cool. Yeah, I I took a class with you and then uh, we did a, a voiceover coaching for an audition too. And your energy is always just so infectious and you're so connected to the person that you're working with. So it makes us feel like a million bucks and feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And, you know, there's like a, a great rapport that you have with your actors, which I love. Well, you know what it is, too? That's how you can tell when somebody genuinely loves something, though, too. You know, like, if they're having as much fun as you are, you know, I know there are a lot of... I've come into some casting directors that I've met in my 20-plus career, and I'm just like, why are you doing this? But, you know, (laughs) guess what? Everybody has their own reason for doing it. I guess you don't have to be a cinephile and be totally infatuated with films like I am. But, you know, I, I think it helps me you know, and I think because of that love of this industry and film and, and creating and working with you guys, that's probably why that enthusiasm comes out so so much. Because when you guys, I always tell people, you know how I know I, that you're doing something right and I'm really enjoying myself? When you hit the mark so much, this is going to sound funny, but sometimes I get so excited when somebody's doing something perfect, especially when I redirect them and then they hit it on the mark, but then they do it even better than what I had in my head, my eyes start to water a little bit because I get so excited. And I was like, my eyes are watering because I'm just so amazed at what you just did. So, you know, it's just all fun for me. Well, and I think it's kind of important too. you know, as you said, not every casting director is the same, but it's important to hear from a casting director that you're in it with us. You want us to book the job. You want us to be great. You want us to make your job easy and, and not have to worry. So I love hearing that, you know, when when the voice actor gives you what you wanted or makes it even better, that it's an emotional experience for you. And you know what? It's exciting on a couple of different levels, too. You know, as a casting director, my job is to relax you so that you're comfortable enough in the room to explore and play and you're not worried about making mistakes and you just you're you're listening. If you're relaxed, you're definitely going to be a better listener, you know, and my job is to get the best performance out of you guys because I need all of you guys to look and sound amazing for this casting that I've been asked to do, because if you don't, it's just a reflection on me and I may not get another job if I don't have get a good performance out of you guys. So for me, I'm always rooting for you and I'm always trying my best to give you the opportunity to shine. Unless I see that you're lazy and you're not doing what you're supposed to do outside of the room or you know, if you have an attitude and you don't seem like you care or you want to be here, I can quickly audition you out of the room so I can move on to somebody else. And that's why you always have to be careful about the vibe that you bring into the room. I had an actor once come in and audition for me, and he did so well. He was a great actor. But every time you yelled cut and you had a conversation with him, it was odd and cold. And that negated his whole audition because his vibe after his act, his performance was just so odd and off-putting. I was just like, did we do something to him? Gosh, that's so interesting. I, I love hearing things from that side because, you know, who knows what his deal was. But 
you know, we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, he could have just been having a bad day. But again, you turn that bad day off until you audition and then turn it on when you're outside of the room. So can you tell us what the process is from when you receive a casting from a client to receiving our auditions and, you know, just kind of the whole thing from start to finish? Well, you know, they like you said, they call and they say, we've got this product now or this new ad campaign that we'd like to launch. Then they send us a script, tell us what they're looking for. They give us character breakdown when it when it's shooting or recording, um, how much it pays, uh, if there are any conflicts, what region it's going to be running in, all information just about the job that we need to pass on to the agent and let you know about. Uh, once we get all that information, I'm trying to think the first thing that I do when I'm prepping a voiceover job, I think first and foremost, I got to put the job out. And then sometimes I call certain agents directly and I'm just like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I'm going to send you this breakdown. Or I even just tell them, listen, I just posted a breakdown on so-and-so uh, for voiceover. Take a look and start submitting, right? So then, then once the breakdown is out, that's when I start to put my schedule together. And by putting my schedule together, I mean, you know, how long is this script? Uh, and how much time will I need to work with these actors to get uh, the performance that I need out of them? So you usually block out like certain times, like with voiceovers, just like a five, 10 minute appointment. Once those times are laid out on a piece of paper for me, then I go back and I start to look at the submissions, uh, listen to the submissions that are coming in. Now with voiceovers though, we go through agents and most of the time we just, they just send us a list of people that they think are right. And then we'll ask the agent, okay, give me a suggestion. Right. And then they'll say, okay, try this person and that person. And then I'll also go through just like my own database of people who I've met at workshops and panels and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, who's vocally right for this? And then once I find all those people, I put them down on the schedule. I put out times. They get calls on when they are supposed to show up. They let us know if that time is good for them, if they need to reschedule. And then the next day happens and I see everybody. Everybody comes in, they record their stuff, they leave. I finalize whatever I need to finalize as far as the recording and what system I'm using. And then I send it off to the client who listens to it. And either they want to book right away or they want to see more people. And, um, you know, so then we do all of that all over again. Once they have those tapes, you know, those recordings go down a list of people that work for that production and that product. And everybody listens to it. They have their say. And they, I like this person. Well, I don't like that person. Well, I like this person. And because of that, that sometimes extends a casting, right? But eventually, once they get down to uh, who they like, then we call you up and we tell you either to hold uh, these dates because they're about to make their final decision or we just book you. And do you ever do um, self-submissions or are you have you been mostly doing live auditions, even virtual? Both. And that goes back to even before the pandemic, like even when we were prepping jobs where people were coming in and auditioning, there was a small group of people who would self-submit, especially if the client requested somebody, but they're not in town or they're not available to come in and stuff. But during the pandemic, it's been 50-50 of self-submissions and virtual. 
and, and I think certain clients request virtual because they're like, we want somebody to direct these people. We don't want these people sitting in their closet, you know, on their own listening to it and saying, yeah, I think I did that right. And then when they listen to it, they're like, yeah, she read the same thing three times with the same inflections. I guess she thought she was doing something different, but she didn't have a second ear to tell her that she wasn't or he wasn't. Yeah. So if you're listening to self-tapes, self-submissions, what stands out for you? And do you listen to the whole audition or do you kind of know, you know, within the first five or 10 seconds, like, nah, that's in a no pile? Uh, It depends. Sometimes like in the first couple of minutes, you can tell, oh, no, this is not the right voice. Uh, But I do always listen to um, the whole the whole tape just because, I mean, you, you can't give really a sense of what anyone is doing if you only listen to a couple of minutes or seconds of it. But what stands out for me, I don't know, I just people who really understand their voice type and and what they can do with their voice and sort of understand how to break down a direction so that when I'm looking at the direction and I'm listening to what they're doing, they are in conjunction with one another. Yeah. And then do you submit everybody to the client? No, no. You know, the reason why they're hiring us is <laughs> because they don't want an open call of everybody uh, coming in and submitting, right? right? So they want us to be selective and find the best because I don't want the client to be like, oh, they're totally off. Why would you submit them? But I'm very selective about that because I don't. you never know what a client wants. You, I mean, you have an idea, right? But like they're always telling you, we want this. And then when you look at what they hire or who they hire sometimes, you're just like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't get that from what you asked me for. But <laughs> hey, as long as you're happy, great, right? So I really try and not to take too many people out. I only take out people that I think are just like totally wrong. But most of the time I am submitting everybody and letting them, you know, make up their own mind. If it's something really specific, I can't even think of an example, but if if it's something really specific, like they're looking for a really serious, deep, low tone, do you ever throw in a wild card and say like, I wonder? Oh yeah, I'm always throwing in wild cards. I love that. Always, always. Just because again, you never know. And I've been doing this long enough where I can't tell you how many times I was asked to find something. And then I go and I find that specific type of voice or actor. And then they're like, yeah, we want something different, you know? I have a lot of clients, uh, voiceover clients that have said, especially when I used to um, do work voiceovers for House, there was clients would always request certain actors. Hmm. What's your favorite type of job to cast? Hmm. For voiceovers, I like funny uh, comedic stuff for voiceovers. Sometimes voiceovers can be a, a little stale and heavy, you know, either they're pharmaceutical stuff or it's just boring and they're like, we want energetic and, and exciting. I'm like, oh, God, we're talking about drugs. And and I've never even heard, I don't even know how to pronounce that word. You want me to say it fun and exciting? What does it even mean, you know? Yeah. And you're such a fun, upbeat person. I feel like the the commercial stuff that's that matches that energy is probably really fun for you because it feels good and it feels not easy, but easy. Yeah, especially when, uh, you know, the actor gets it too. Like sometimes we'll get scripts where we'll think all of us have it. I'm talking about me and the actor in there. And then we'll work on it and we'll read it together. And then something will jump out and be like, oh, you know, I've been doing this all day. And now that sentence is starting to make sense to me. Because that's part of the challenge of like anything that's written 
uh, by someone else that you have to read. Like I, I'm noticing this a lot where auditions and especially coaching now where people just get snippets of a scene, you know, and sometimes it's hard to sort of connect with the rhythm of what the sentence has or or what it's, they're really trying to say or what their emotion will be. And then you have to read it over and over again. And then you and the actor get it. And you're like, oh, now this makes it right. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. Let's start recording now because now we know what we're doing. So I think, you know, of course, the conversational read is a hot button voiceover topic. And it's something that's come up on the podcast a lot with fellow voice actors. And I'm so curious what are some qualities that you think of in commercial reads or how how can we give you the best conversational read? I mean, this is interesting. I would love to hear what some of the actors have to say about that, because, of course, this is one of the main directions. And when I'm coaching and I'm teaching people, that's one of the things that I try and get them to think about. I'm like, you know, everybody's always throwing out words. I always try to make the connection of, okay, you're telling me that you want this sound. Now, how do I execute that sound so that when I'm doing it, somebody else listening to it will recognize it? And when you talk about conversational, you know, for me, it's really easy. You know, conversational is is what we're doing right now. You know, I don't have a script written for me. And it sounds like as I'm speaking to you, I'm sort of, I have, I'm putting my thoughts together and, and they're coming out of my mouth at the same time. So, you know, it's not polished. There are a lot of vocal tics that needed to be added to uh, make something conversational, vocal hiccups. You know, pacing is very important when you're thinking about something conversational. But when you hear that, like you have to think about what you recognize as a natural, real conversation, something that's not performed. And then the difficult part is then taking that sort of energy and putting it together with something that is written out for you, you know, because conversation is is really off the cuff and, and, and it's unclean. But then when you're looking at words that you have that are already written out for you, you're like, okay, well, how do I make this sound like I'm coming up with it off the top of my head? And for me, it's all about the the pacing and the pausing and the little vocal words that you add here and there right before you say the main need for the sentence. Like I was working with somebody yesterday. Uh, I think the first line is, hey, you in the blue dress with the bad hamburger, right? Or no, it's you in the blue dress with the bad hamburger, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I want this to feel like you're actually saying this to somebody that you don't know in a natural way. So I was like, sometimes give like a little lead in word, you know, to first set the environment. So we know we, as the listener can get a sense of where this person is in this scene. And then also we want to recognize just an easy conversation. So I told them to just say something like, Hey, Hey, you, you miss, excuse me, you with the bad hair burger and the blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's just those little words where the, Hey, you over here. That's all you need, right? To sort of let the listener recognize, okay, I sort of, I, I called somebody, you know, you recognize when somebody's like, oh, hey, I see you, come over here, you know? Like, keeping it really natural, throwing it away and stuff like that. That's what I think of when I hear the word conversational. So I, for the actor, you really have to sort of think about the rhythm and your pacing of how you're delivering these lines. If they're too polished and, you know, you just read all the way through with no beats or hiccups or anything like that, that's going to take me out of it. Maybe feel like, oh, they're just reading. As opposed to if somebody's having a natural conversation and there's 
you know, stuttering and stammering because they're searching for the words to try and communicate what they need to say. Like, what do actors say to you about that? Do they hate that direction or they're like, <laughs> I never understand what they want? Um, a little. It's more just like a, a general confusion. Like, we all feel like our each of our versions of conversational is different. And so we're curious, like, what your version of conversational is or not even yours, but also then the client. So there's like three layers of my version of conversational, then yours, then the client's. Well, but see, for that, then I would suggest that you're doing too much. If you're thinking about all that, that is way too much. You should not be trying to think about what the client's version of conversation is because you're never going to know. Well, that is true. You know, you could ask me what my version of conversational is. And in the direction, I'm pretty sure I'm going to tell you, but that could be helpful. But I would suggest just concentrating on what your version of conversational is first when you get that first direction from the casting director and putting that out there and then seeing what their response is to to it and if they're like yeah that sounds conversational to me that's what i think of when i think of conversational and then if it's not listen to what they're saying if they're a good director and they're like you know you need to throw it away a little bit more and by throw it away it almost kind of has to feel like you don't care you know in order to feel like we're doing something you know, you, you might give a long pause or, or uh, give a beat that's a little too long before you say your next line. And it's kind of like you knew when you needed to pause there before this person had to say their line, as opposed to just taking in what this person is saying and then responding. That's such good advice. It's really hard, though. But, you know, I always tell people, you, you, if you're unclear about conversation, that's the easiest thing to study, conversational speak. Anywhere you are, even when you're talking with three other people, right, and you say what you have to say, then stop talking. And when they're talking, pay attention to their rhythm how and, and how they uh, uh, communicate and when they're pausing and, and, and when they're speeding up a sentence and then they're slowing something down. You know, conversations are never clean and smooth. They're always kind of all over the place. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm thinking of when I'm saying conversational. So, you know, like if you're unclear about that, just start to eavesdrop on people's conversation. I do that all the time. Oh, I love that. That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like in, especially in these weird COVID times, we're all sort of so isolated just in general. And then now, you know, I'm in this booth all day long looking at scripts. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, I have no idea what conversational means anymore. But here we go. Here's the thing. I like to say, for conver- when you're thinking about conversational speech, you always want to make everything that you're saying sound easy and effortless, right? Because with everything in, in acting, we're always just trying to find the truth of the moment, you know? Even when it's something a little over the top. And it's that truth, finding that truth of the moment that I find is hard for some people just because there's so much information and there's so many influences that we have in our head that creep up that we don't even realize sometimes. Like I was teaching an actor once in a class and she had done something. I was like, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? I'm curious. She was like, you know, I honestly did that because I've seen a lot of actors do that in these type of commercials. And I was like, see, I was like, I was looking for a genuine real performance from you and you're thinking about what other actors are doing and trying to copy that. That's another thing that actors, when we're by ourselves, we get caught up in the what do we think they want or you read a spec and you're like, oh, you know, I know what they want. I'm going to just try to like impersonate, not impersonate, but, you know, like impersonate that person that I'm hearing in my head. 
then it's never going to get us the job. And that's why some actors, like when you come in, like I was talking to, I was coaching somebody once and this particular gentleman has a very announcer voice, right? That big booming deep sound. It's just how he's, his tone was naturally. So it was very hard for him to get out of that. And they didn't want an announcer voice. So I was trying so hard to get him to drop that announcer voice, but I personally just kept hearing it, right? So then it came, it got to the point where, okay, let's just try and get the best performance out of him that he can give and not think about trying to give them exactly what they need for this job because I just don't think he has the voice for it. And um, afterwards, it really stuck with me because I like this guy. And like when I'm coaching people, I'm always coaching you. Even though I tell people don't make it about um, booking the job, just make it about impressing the casting director. But I want people to feel comfortable with the audition that they're about to submit when they're when we're done working, right? And I just feel like I felt like I didn't couldn't find the right way to direct him. So I called one of my casting uh, partners and I was and I asked her. I was like, "What do you do when somebody has an announcer voice and they just cannot get away from it?" And she was like, "Well, you know what? I suggest you just tell them to do nothing. Tell them to go flat. Tell them to give the flattest read. No inflections. No excitement whatsoever. Just read it, right?" And and when I told her that. I was like, you you know he's going to feel like he hasn't done anything and they're not acting. And if they don't feel like their energy is up there, then they feel like, well, God, what did I just do with that audition? It's going to be crappy. But sometimes that's what clients want. I've got direction from clients where they're just like, when people are reading this voiceover, we don't want to hear all that voiceover stuff that so many people do with some of those inflections and stuff. Just tell them to just read it. Give us an easy, flat read. So that's why when we hear, when you, sometimes you'll get direction, you'll be like, just go really deadpan, like go really, really flat. It's just, that's another way of us trying to like, just get, get you out of your voice, get a really sort of natural, honest read, you know? Cause one of the things that I always say to people is it's important to understand your voice type so that you can embrace it when you need to, but that you know what your voice type is so that you can turn it off when you don't. What are some other trends that you feel like you're seeing a lot of these days besides conversational? Are there other things that are kind of cropping up more often now? Um, you know, uh, not particularly. Everybody still wants that sort of that natural read, you know, warm, upbeat, but, you know, relatable. Right. But I am finding that, you know, the announcer voice is sort of creeping its way back into certain things uh, subtly. You know, and it's funny because I I did a casting with uh, uh, an actress and um, it both of us found it so funny because it was the first time we had seen a script where they wanted a big overacting uh, grand sort of read at the top. And then there was a change where they just got really conversational, natural and real. And she was it was so hard for her to get to find the right sort of big announcer voice because she wasn't used to doing it. So she wouldn't go there. And one of the thing, one of the directions was boombastic and overacted. Right. And when you tell an actor to do that, and they're just like, well, I'm always told to pull it back and go small and keep it conversational. So it was interesting when that, I noticed that that popped popped up a little bit but honestly to me most of the trends have have basically stayed the same we've gotten away from the announcer a, a lot more but again it surprised me that it started to come back a little bit last year where i was hearing it confidence is another word though that you'll hear a lot where you're like
You want, we want confidence. And then you need to think about, okay, what does that mean? How do I translate confidence into a vocal sound? And that's why sometimes in my class and stuff, I'm like, you got to start to think about what does it sound like when a confident person speaks? When you hear a confident person and you turn to somebody and you're like, boy, she's got a lot of confidence. What are you hearing that makes you think, say that? Even with um, animated stuff, I, I was surprised at how that's gone just very real and grounded. You know, I was coaching somebody recently on for a uh, Disney show and I went and I looked up the Disney show, you know, so I can have an understanding of what type of show this is that she's auditioning for. And it was so funny how it was like a balance of like that typical animated energy that we're all used to and we know, right? And then there were certain people that were just very natural and grounded and they weren't, they didn't have that sort of animated energy. I took a, a class with a woman who's an animation agent and she said the same thing. She was like, you know, don't think about animation in the same way anymore. Some of it is still wacky and big and over the top. And then a lot of it, most of it, even the little kid shows are still grounded now in the different different place than they were when we were kids. Yeah. Like I just rewatched recently um, that new Scooby-Doo movie. You know, I was a big fan of Scooby-Doo when I was little. I used to watch it all the time. I never really paid attention to how they speak, though. But the old Scooby-Doo cartoons had that sort of animated, you know, that animated style that we all know and recognize, right? And then this new one was, again, everything now was less heightened, conversational, with just a tad bit of energy here and there for certain things. Like, of course, Scooby and Shaggy are Scooby and Shaggy. But like Velma, Daphne, everything was just like really underplayed and natural. I was just like, see, that's like, like we watch any Pixar movie now. You know, watch Soul. None of that is that old animated Captain Caveman style. Soul is super grounded, very real, right? So that's almost like a, a, a it was like a live action film. Totally. That they just took their voices and then just made it, put it to animation. Yeah, I've actually never heard anybody put it like that, you know, thinking of it like a live action, but it's animated. And that like immediately flips a switch in my head to a totally different place. Approach, right? And then a lot of this, especially with video games too, video games, uh, uh, I, I find the, the people that I've at least even coached for video game auditions, that's all just very grounded. Tell us a little bit more about your coaching. Were you coaching before the pandemic or that kind of shifted during, uh, during COVID? You know, it's so funny. You know, you and I had a little conversation before we started this about uh, uh, putting yourself out there, but also being hesitant. For years, people have been asking me to coach. I was never doing it because I would be like, oh, God, I don't have time. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm casting full time. This is my full time job. And then I'm teaching when I can. I don't have time to be an individual coach. And I, don't, I wasn't even sure what I would do. You know, I remember the first time ever someone ever asked me to come and teach a class. And I was terrified because I was like, what, I, what do I have to teach? Like, I don't know anything. I had, And this is already 18 years into doing it. And I'm like, I don't know what to say to them. And then somebody pulled me to a side and was like, well, Dakeem, you do. You just take your 18 years experience and teach them about that, right? 
what did you learn from casting in those 18 years? You know, what have you seen from clients and stuff like that? So that opened my eyes up a little bit to, oh, maybe I do have a little something to say. But then the pandemic happened and all my casting jobs went kaput, right? Because everything turned into self-submission. So they didn't need me directing anybody. And I was like, well, do I start coaching now? And I went and I was going online and looking to see what other people were doing. And I was, the more, every time I saw somebody that I knew teaching something, I'd be like, oh, well, they they don't need me if she's teaching a class. And I kept doing that with everybody, right? And this was after a year of me taking a class about developing a a course curriculum Mm -hmm. and just different class ideas. I took this at the Actors Fund and it was so helpful. So I I wrote up a plan, right, where I was going to introduce myself as a, a coach. And I wrote that up. I had all my outlines and everything was ready to go. And then I just sat on it. Mm. I didn't do anything with it. I kept going back to it and looking at it. And I was like, is this sad and pathetic? Should I really not even press send on this? What am I doing? You know, all that self-negative doubt that everybody who's ever been an artist goes through. I was going through that. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. She's tricky. Right. You know, you got to turn off that voice. So I spoke to this gentleman once whose wife I used to um, uh, coach and she had passed away. And for some reason, I'm still in touch with him because I had such a strong connection with this woman before she passed away. And and he was talking to me and he was like, you know, how are you handling the pandemic? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about coaching, but everybody's coaching. And like, do we really need another coach out there? Like, what the hell do I have to say? I don't know if I want to do it. And he was like, well, Daikim, you know, there are a lot of coaches out there, but nobody whose name is Daikim, who's had the experience that you have and who's had your voice. He was like, so maybe there might be somebody out there who's like, oh, I'm receptive to what he's got to give. Maybe, you know, I, I want to take an interest in it and look into it some more. And when he said that my voice was unique just because it was me and I was an individual, I was just like, oh, I guess he's right. You know what? Let me just try it. If nobody calls me, if they think that it's pathetic and I'm looking like I'm needy or uh, I just look really sad, then that's what they think. I can't control that. So I hit send, and after I hit send, I was just like, why did I wait so long to do this? Why didn't I have the confidence in myself? Because once I put it out there, it was nonstop, and it surprised me. You know, I know actors. Actors aren't rich people. I don't want to be charging them up the wazoo for, you know, some coaching stuff. I don't think that's right. I hear some of them and what they pay for demo reels and stuff like that, and I'm like, somebody got that kind of money out of you? Oh my God. And I'm like, well, why am I charging so cheap? I'm like, because I just don't feel like I, I, I can't do that to actors. I need to be reasonable and I understand who I'm marketing myself to. But we literally once I started doing it, I was just like, wow, I guess I really just needed confidence in it. And then it was so helpful to me during the pandemic. I mean, mentally, it was kind of like my therapy because the one thing that I missed the most was working with actors. And now in some form, some way, I got to do it. And every time somebody was like, you know, that really helped me. I never thought of using a coach for this. And now that I did, I I didn't know there were so many different ways we could approach the script. And it was fun working with you. I was like, yeah, it was fun working with you too. And it really refreshed my energy as a a casting director and how to talk to actors and stuff. So, you know, I was really, that was a positive thing for me 
that happened in the pandemic was it made me find it kicked me into doing something that I was dragging my feet about because I was scared. I was scared. That's all it was. I was I was scared of rejection. I was scared of how it was going to look. I was scared that other people were going to look at it and be like, oh, that's so sad and pathetic. What is wrong with him? I guess he's not casting. So now he's coaching. But who wants to pay for that? You know, mm. so but it all just like from that, I've got to meet so many actors and it's helped me as a casting director too, just because every time I coach you guys, you're just one other person that I can put in my roster of people that I may need when I'm looking for something. Cause that's what casting directors, well, at least for me, terrifies me the most is that I'm going to get hired for a job. I need to find this particular type of person or, or fill a role and I can't find it. So I'm always collecting people and coaching really helps me with that. It's so funny. Our stories are so similar. Um, During the pandemic, I had a friend who was like, you know, why don't you do like an intro to voiceover workshop? Like you have so much knowledge in the industry, like for beginners, for people who are not, you know, advanced pros. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, what do I have to say? And like, I, I don't know. Second guessing yourself. You're like, I don't have any. Who wants to listen to me? I, who cares about what I have to say? And then you start to tell your story and you realize there are a lot of people out here who needed to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And it was it was so funny to make that switch and, and do the same thing. It was finally I had a I had it in the back of my head and I was like, OK, OK. And then a really um, old friend of mine who I used to take a class with in the city. She runs uh, her name's Jen Waldman. She runs a, a studio and she started doing online classes during the pandemic because obviously she couldn't go in person. And she started a series called Light Bulb Learning. And um, every uh, every month there were four students from the studio who could apply, you know, or, or request to be teachers. And I emailed her and I was like, Jen, I'd love to do a voiceover workshop. And then I was like, ee! and then I hit send. <laughs> and then she was like, great, perfect. Uh, when, you know, what dates for you? What dates work for you? And I was like, oh, no, now I have to do it. I know, right? You're like, oh, God, she said yes. Now what? <laughs> so, yeah. And then I started doing these. She helped me uh, hook me up with a person who helped me make a PowerPoint presentation. And now I've given that workshop like 20 times during the pandemic. And it's been such a joy and something that I've been so excited about. And same thing. It felt like so rejuvenating to like talk to new people and present this, you know, this information. And and yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to know your top piece of advice for someone who's just starting in the industry or maybe has only been in the industry a little bit of time. Oh, I love this question. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, because when I first started as an actor in this business, there was no roadmap to how you should do things and how you should pursue this career. You know, basically, most actors, when they're getting started, and that's why I think it's great that you started that class for beginners, because those are the people that, like, really need the help the most. And sometimes there isn't proper guidance for them. So I like to tell people... When you're first starting out, my suggestion would be, okay, first of all, you got to think about visibility, right? Because this is a business, right? And if I don't know that you exist, it doesn't matter how great a performer you are. So in addition to just becoming a better VO artist, you have to, at the same time, think about how... When you are even more comfortable with your uh, um, your talent, how are you going to get the word out to people? And who are you going to get to word, 
get the word out to people first. Everybody always seems to concentrate on getting an agent, getting an agent, getting an agent, right? But once you get an agent, what's the agent going to do? The agent's going to go to a casting director for the jobs, right? So don't ignore getting an agent, but maybe start to try and make connections with casting directors. If you're just starting out, you want work. You want opportunities to audition, okay? An agent can get you that, but a, a casting director can get you that too, right? So if you start to do research on casting directors in your area, casting companies in your area, who's working on what, who works at these casting direct, uh, uh, casting companies, and then start to maybe try and make a connection with the casting directors first so that the casting directors know you. Because if casting directors know you, It'll make it that much easier for you to find an agent if if there's a casting director behind you saying, oh, I know this actor. He's not signed with anyone or she's not signed with anyone. You guys should book this person. I met them in a class. They're really great. So start with trying to develop casting uh, relationships with casting directors. Then you want to think about making yourself visible to the industry just in general so people know that you're out there so they can offer you a job, right? And you're going to be doing this while you're becoming a better artist. And by becoming a better artist, studying, taking classes, right? And I know people hear that all the time, but it's true. You got to study and take classes. If you if you can't take a class, you can't afford it at this time, you know, you can always sit it on a panel or a workshop. You can always get your own copy and, um, you know, read it, read commercial copy and record yourself uh, reading it and listening it back to it and understanding what you're doing with your voice, trying to develop a community of actors that you can turn to for advice and industry people that you can turn to for advice. Try to get yourself out there and, and, and do whatever. You know, you never know what's going to lead to something. You know, I kind of sort of gave you an example of that because I started out in acting and then it led me into casting and coaching. And casting and coaching, especially coaching, was something that I had never envisioned for myself, ever, 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 right? So think about that. Think about always bettering yourself as an, uh, as an actor and becoming becoming a better, better vocal artist, right? Another thing I want to suggest is always take a class. If you're going to take a class or a workshop, always take a class or a workshop where there's an industry professional at the end that you can meet, okay? Because that goes back to visibility. You study in this class, you become a better artist, but then if at the end of the class, you just walk out the door and out into the world, you know, there's an element missing that's going to help you, you know, and you need mm, that visibility. Mm-hmm. So in addition to studying with somebody, you want to make sure that they have a way to present you to agents and casting directors so that then people can start to, oh, I met you at a workshop. I remember you. You did really well. Now I'm going to think about you when I'm prepping a job and stuff. That's visibility and that's becoming a better, better artist. But I say start with casting directors first, trying to get to know them. When you're networking, be subtle. You know, don't always reach out to somebody with an ask. You know, I, honestly, you should never do that, especially if I don't know you. If I don't know you from a can of paint and you're emailing me and like, hey, can you help me do this? Why am I going to want to help you? Do I know you? What reason would I help you? You know, so just be easy and have some empathy when you're reaching out to people. But again, visibility, classes with instructor, with industry professionals, reaching out to cast directors and developing relationships with them, and working on your own, listening to commercials, reading commercial voiceover for yourself, and then don't just read it, record yourself doing it and play it back for yourself and for other people who you trust so you can get some uh, um, 
some good feedback. But I, I would say that's a good way to, to, to start, you know? Amazing. Well, this has been so awesome. I feel like we had the best conversation with many, many different topics. And, and I know the, the uh, listeners are going to find it so helpful. So thank you so much for being here. I hope so. That's my main goal. I just want everybody to feel like they're going into this career with a little more knowledge than when I started and had no knowledge, you know? So this was great. I love talking to you. We did talk about a lot of stuff, too. I feel like we could just keep going on and on and on. But it's almost 80 degrees out, so we should probably get some vitamin D. absolutely loved Aikim's positive and fun energy. And what he said about the voice actor and the casting director being a team is so important. They want us to do a good job, so they have great options to present to the client so they can do a good job. Keeping that in mind when auditioning is so helpful because it puts us all on a level playing field. And hearing that even those people in positions of power deal with imposter syndrome too was really eye-opening and a good reminder that we're all just human. If you'd like to learn more about Daikim, I'm linking his website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemike.com. If you found this episode helpful, I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or screenshot it and share it on social media. And make sure you subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you're listening now so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. If you've got a lot of auditions and you're in the booth, you know, a lot in a given day, each time is a brand new conversation. And I, each time when I have a conversation, there's something I'm really trying to communicate or somebody's really trying to communicate to me. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.